The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Every day from now until the end of the games, we have a daily official podcast full of the biggest names, the best stories and the most fun. So hello, how are you? The opening ceremony is, well, two days away, but we're already getting to see some action. So what's coming up on today's show then? Well, three incredible women tell you why this games is going to be absolutely unmissable. We've got Team GB footballer Millie Bright, Olympic gold medalist Angela Ruggiero. But first, a quick word from tennis superstar Naomi Osaka. People might think I'm quiet, different, that I don't fit the box of what an Olympian should be. But I am proof that the definition is bigger than people think. I want to inspire the girls out there watching right now. The ones that some people think are too different, too quiet, to something. And if we don't fit that expectation of what people think we're supposed to be, good. That just means we're the ones who get to change it. Naomi Osaka there. Right, the women's football kicks off today with six games across Japan. Great Britain take on Chile and Millie Bright is a defender who plays for Chelsea, England and Team GB. The past season has been a record-breaking one with her club Chelsea winning the domestic WSL title in style and becoming Champions League finalists. Now though, it's time for the Olympics, one of the biggest competitions in the women's game. So, hello Millie, how are you? Where's your head at? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a roller coaster, so absolute manic at the minute. Um, obviously, preparing with Team GB and training is in full swing. Um, but yeah, it's been a wild season, like you've said, and not a lot of off time. But you know, that's what you have to cope with when you're playing for a club like Chelsea and grateful enough and lucky enough to be representing not only my country but Team GB as well you know it's um, it's been tough throughout the season uh, but exciting that's that's why we play the game that's why we play at top teams it's to be tested and be challenged but yeah all is good you know can you describe just how important it is you know for you and 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 what it means to the team you know going to an Olympic Games it's massive it's more than football I think you have to zoom out a little bit and see it from the bigger picture as an athlete it is the biggest occasion you can be involved in and and stage you can play on is the Olympics um, I'm feeling really grateful as a football player to for the women's game to be involved in that as you know for many years you think of the Olympics and football's not one of the typical Olympic sports so for now for that to be involved Involved and for us to be travelling over to Japan and and competing with Team GB is 
honestly we're so grateful for this opportunity and to showcase women's football um at the olympics but to be a part of something bigger like it's more than football it is purely about being an athlete comp- competing for team gb with all the other unbelievable um, athletes and sports that are going Um, and it really is about being on that bigger stage and that bigger picture and all coming as one it's not just about us as a team but it's about all Team GB athletes going and being successful and been a part of yet another Olympics fortunately enough for some athletes and you know this been been my first with many others Um, yeah it really is an unbelievable experience and even now like what we're experiencing together as a team the training um, the high going into it and then just picturing getting out there and what that's going to be like for the women's game especially like I said young girls boys whoever it might be that are watching the women's game and looking up to us as players it's it's now achievable um and it's now possible for for people to to dream that and and go on and achieve it so yeah it's it really is incredible so uh are you a bit of an Olympics fan then, you know, away from football? Do you how what do you do you watch it? Is there anything other events that you've got your eye on? Is there anybody else that maybe is a bit of an inspiration from the Olympic world? I just float around all the sports to be honest. I think the Olympics is I don't feel like you can get drawn to one sport or one person. You just it's literally just the environment like and obviously this one's going to be so different to the previous because, you know, we're not going to be able to explore and and stuff like that. And like I said, it's not going to be as packed as what it normally would be. But yeah, I think in previous occasions, it's, it's literally the atmosphere like um, and it's just seeing all the athletes come together. Like for me, that's what it's all about. It's it's like you, you're competing against each other, but you all come together. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not getting drawn to one sport is literally a little bit of everything um my mum's obsessed with tennis like i don't know if she actually knows all the rules of tennis but she loves tennis she likes to think she's like a tennis coach so she um yeah we watch a lot of that and obviously the equestrian with having horses we love watching that it's, and having worked in it yeah definitely something that we watch but literally float around all the sports and yeah just appreciate the talent and and different sports which we don't often get time to watch or experience so yeah I'm super excited to be out there and and see what it is like out there because like I said I've never experienced that so is is it something that you feel like you, you it might change you as a person a little bit becoming an Olympian like what do you think you've you'll you'll learn or have you learned from kind of this like specifically this Olympic process yeah I can't say what how it will change me but I definitely think the experience itself will I don't yeah I don't actually know how it will change me but I do feel like when you experience different things you you do change because you you'd learn new lessons you learn different cultures uh you meet new people you experience different scenarios so yeah I definitely think it I think whatever experience you go through it develops you as a person or a player in that matter um talking on and off the pitch I do think certain experiences develop you so yeah I'm looking forward to I think every tournament I've been to so far obviously not with team G but just talking tournaments it you do develop as a person on and off the pitch and as a player whether you mature on the pitch and you understand game management or stuff like that it's yeah I do think it will change me but like I said I think the limit the Olympics is the biggest stage as an athlete you can be involved in. I think the main thing will be looking at other athletes 
and kind of what they're like in tournaments and and yeah hopefully getting to know different athletes and and their story really and what their experiences are and their ups and their downs because it's it's great remembering the highs but you have to learn from the lows as well and yeah not be not be shameful of them either I think a lot of people always speak about the highs but the lows are what make you as a person they're what push you on to be even better the next year so yeah it'd be uh, interesting to see what people have gone through and just seeing people in action like the different sports and, and how that works you never know after football could be in a different sport you, you just don't know sometimes it's just watching people and their reactions and it, at the time you don't really take it in and then later you know, you realise that you really learned something from how that person didn't react, maybe, or something like that. It's uh, Or if you experience something yourself, you'll you think back to certain moments and you're like, that's what they would have done. Oh, this is brilliant. What is this? This is this might be a first. This is a fire alarm. An alarm, but we're not moving, so we'll say. Oh, I thought that was going to be a fire alarm then. I thought that was going to be... She had to run out! <laughs> A lot of people, including myself, I have to be totally honest, have found like the past 18 months to be an absolute roller coaster in terms of mental health. Self-esteem weirdness, anxiety about things that I didn't even know I was anxious about, you know, like really, really, really sad. I picked out a quote um, from you that I read, everyone should feel as though they've got someone to go to. I just thought that was that was like spot on I mean what have you leaned on to sort of uh, get you through it it's been the most challenging year I've definitely experienced myself both on and off the pitch whether that's worrying about family my partner working away so I'm at home and you just when you need to come home to someone and you just need someone there sometimes I panic and I'm like oh god Levi's like in a different country and I'm stressing him out and then he's worrying about work and we've already got Covid as a worry and then I'm like right Mill deep breath just 10 deep breaths get through it right we're, we're ready a new challenge let's go and that's literally how I get through it like I've had to kind of take a step back sometimes or just give myself a little kick I'm like get over it like get on with it um it's not that big of a deal but yeah like you said everyone's experienced different emotions but I think as much as it's been a struggle I do think there's so many positives to have come out of it so many people have realized that you don't need to go to the pub and get smashed to have a good time you can maybe reconnect with your partner in a different way like going out for walks or getting a puppy there's been so many lockdown puppies um and kind of yeah reconnecting with people in different ways like finding other ways to be active or be happy without spending a lot of money or going out to the pubs or going out for food like learning different foods at home and cooking together and i think people have actually taken time to maybe get to know each other a little bit i think sometimes you're getting a bit of a stale place where it's just the same things every day and i don't know they always say that as you, the longer you're with someone the more you know you just get into habits like comfortable i guess so it's like kind of rewinding a little bit and and yeah getting back to things that you don't always do so yeah it's been nice to see people like getting out getting active setting like their own individual goals um yeah and realizing that they all the things that they maybe did before and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what they love doing but it's been so refreshing to see people actually coming away from social media and going out in you know the wildlife and and doing stuff away from technology and kids being active whether it's on the garden and finding new ways to to entertain yourselves rather than sitting in front of a tv and 
yeah, I think doing the same old old habits. It's um, people have found new ways, set up new businesses. So there's so many positives as well to come out of it, which I think is important to to look at. Like I do feel for all the people that have suffered, and my aunt is a director of nursing, so I know how hard she's worked. My sister's a nurse, so I've had that on one end and panicking about them going into work and getting COVID, and then on the other end, I've seen. You know, my mum, she won't mind me saying, but suffers with depression and anxiety and she's just got a new horse and she's got a new like hobby and she's like come out of a shell and kind of seeing her, how she's processed through it. And, you know, she was like absolute distraught about COVID and stressing. So I got like all different levels of the scale like that I'm trying to like manage and go through whilst playing. But yeah, it's been so nice to see people come out of the other end and in a better, in a better place than what they were before they went into COVID. So yeah, it's is um, good and bad. You know, football can't carry on forever. You know, that is that is true. It's also true that you love horses. It's also true that you can be, like, really old and be an Olympic, at the Olympics, and doing stuff with horses. Are you on board for, you know, switching up and getting a bit of equestrian in a later life will we see a rebirth a hundred percent this that that was actually one of my toughest decisions is when i before i was pro i was semi-pro with donny and i was a full-time groom at the time um and i was just about to start my teaching in the equestrian um and i worked on a dressage yard at the time which that's like my area like i absolutely love it i don't mind the jumping but dressage i'm like fascinated by i could watch that all day long and yeah i was literally about to go into my teaching and obviously rode at the same time um but yeah i had to make the decision football has to come first i don't think i'm going to be able to kick a ball past 40 let alone anything later on than that um so yeah i'm definitely always going to go back to horses it's in the family we've had horses since i can remember um so yeah once you know i start getting towards the end i will certainly be looking to to get back into that and yeah who knows i could i could be going as an equestrian rider next time but we'll see we will see or maybe not next time maybe the time after i don't know millie I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure it'll all go to plan, right? Yeah, of course it will. Processing in place, remember? If you are talking about women's sport, then Angela Ruggiero is a name that comes up time and again. She is a CEO and co-founder of the Sports Innovation Lab, a four-time Olympic medalist in ice hockey, including a famous win in 1998. And she was an IOC member for eight years. So she's one of the people who hands out Olympic gold medals to other people. Inspirational, hardworking. There really isn't anyone quite like Angela. So hello, how are you? Yeah, great. Uh, can't complain. You know, have had a lot of time at home, which has been amazing. Traveling for so many years as an athlete and then as an ISC member. It's kind of nice to actually be home for a bit. So uh, silver lining and everything. I always try to look at how the glass is half full, if you will. <laughs> I think there's not, there's not many people that have seen the Olympics at so many different angles as you, right? You know, like you've got this unique kind of... Um, point of view when it comes to the summer games of like you can put yourself in someone else's shoes I'm sure at like how it feels to be on the podium but not quite the one that you won or how it feels to be on the podium like living it large as well and um, what is it like competing at an Olympic Games? 
this is their shot. This is their moment. This is like every four years, or this is once in a lifetime. The journey is, you know, it's everything. It's, it's, you, you remember the, the days when no one, you know, no one was watching, um, that you were, you were getting up early. You were, you know, getting support from those around you and, and pushing through everything. Um, and so, there's so much of the behind the scenes that doesn't get captured that once you get to the games and you have that, you know, those three weeks when you're in the village together, every athlete that kind of looks around, they're like, all right, I, I know you, I respect, like, I know what you've been through. And, and I think in a different way than, you know, almost most, like almost every spectator that, that they can appreciate to an extent, but like you've never really lived in those shoes. And, and when you've lived in those shoes, you're like, man, a mad respect like that. <laughs> Whatever you did, whatever your sport, whatever your country, you had something you had to do that was just like superhuman strength. And you mentioned earlier as well about giving out the Olympic gold medals. I mean, it's such a privilege, right? It's really hard to get to that position. And I think almost it's one of those things that, you know, if you don't know how it all works, you're like, who's that yeah. guy or who's this person, right? Like that. I had no idea. I was like, just give me my medal. I don't care who it comes from. I just want that thing. <laughs> but it must be amazing to be that person oh, I, that actually manages yeah, to do it. Probably my favorite thing is becoming an IOC member is you get to physically, like I said, be the first person, the closest to that that athlete's face and that joy as you you're slowly walking up and you could just see their eyes and they're staring it out at the the the, the case of medals and and you put it around and, and you shake, or in my case, I actually knew I gave the U S women's soccer team their medal in 2012. And that was like packed house. And there was like 90,000 people there. And, and I, and I knew some of the American soccer players. Um, and so I got a big hug from like Abby Wambach and others that were there. And same thing in Rio. Uh, I, I, I was able to give the gold medals to the American um, basketball team. And, and then, in, and then again, I'm, I picked, women's team sports because again I was a female team sport athlete and uh and I my favorite moment was giving the medals to the American hockey team in Pyeongchang and we hadn't won a gold medal since I won in 98 so I was 20 years later and the fact that I was there and I had played with you know seven or eight of the, the 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 members on that team um you know I was sort of the the senior member in Vancouver and they were the rookies and now they're the these they were the leaders of the team and they were, you know, they put years and years into this and it was just so amazing to stand there. And in some ways I felt like I was coming full circle personally, standing on the ice, seeing the flag being raised, thinking back 20 years prior when I was the rookie on the ice, you know, winning that gold medal for the first time. And then, but it was like so much bigger. It was like these, these young women. And I knew, I knew personally what they had sacrificed to be there. And, and it was just like such an amazing moment for me to see their, their joy um, that that close. U.S. women's soccer team uh, is like a machine in its own right. I think you know they have managed to tap into something. I have these affiliations to various members of the squad. I've followed their stories and stuff like that. And so I think that fits into this thing that you've come up with where it's the fluid fan, right? And I identified with that straight away as like, you know, that's my relationship with the US 
women's soccer team, basically. And so I wondered, wondered whether you could explain about that and, and kind of, you know, how that has all come about. Yeah, I started a company called Sports Innovation Lab um, where we do market research, uh, really studying the fan, fan experience, really trying to identify and understand like trends and, and the technology driving change in fans' behavior. So we've been kind of behavioral analysis, if you will, looking at what fandom looks like globally. And through that analysis, um, we came up with this term fluid fan, which, which is instead of saying, oh, millennials or this generation or this demographic, it's like, we're all fluid fans. We all are um, digitally savvy now, watching on multiple screens, following players you'd mentioned versus teams or leagues or even countries. We, we, we have allegiances to our values and we might align with, you know, historically we might align with just, you know, athletes from our country or athletes from our city or, you know, teams from our local jurisdiction. And the fluid fan has access to everything. They have access to all athletes, all countries, all sports, all genders. Um, and technologies enabled them to have choice. Because women's sport in the Olympic movement at least is, in theory, is given complete equality, right? And that's the that's the that's the aim. In reality, obviously, it can be argued, you know, in in different ways. But the, the at least the aim is there, and the in and in some other areas in other sporting kind of franchises that doesn't exist. There's no aim. It's like it's just sort of a given, maybe, but it's not on paper. And I wonder, um, given kind of the the climate of the world that we we live in about how much growth there is just around the corner in Tokyo 2020 with women's sport because it's gonna you, you, I can't see any other way than it blowing up in loads of different ways you know because it's so much easier to connect to people and listen to their stories and and be on social media you know so yeah is that do you share that viewpoint or hundred uh, percent I mean uh, the latest research we did was uh, if you if you go to the fanproject.co um, we we spent literally like six months working with partners through the fan project um, to study fan behavior specifically around women's sports. So fans of women's sports helped us understand them. And it's mind blowing the results uh, that there is absolutely a market. There's a hunger. And I just talked about the fluid fan. You have the highest concentration of these digitally savvy fans exist in women's sports. Crazy. So your future fan, your future consumer that all of sport is trying to understand already exists in the women's market. And why? Think about it. It's You can't be a lazy women's sports fan. You have to be digitally savvy. You have to find your communities. You have to be hungry and nimble and agile and learn how to go onto Twitch or Reddit or download the, you know, the Olympic Channel app. Like you have to figure out how to be a fan. And that's actually really exciting because now they're in a pole position to lean into new technology, all the new companies that are hitting the market that are trying to engage the fan in a new way. And so um, in one, in one I'm, from a business perspective, it's really exciting because women's sports can leapfrog men's sports in a lot of way right now. They're smaller. They have more nimbleness in how they run. Um, but what those findings told us is there's a massive market out there. We haven't seen it because we haven't studied it. 
That's what the fan project was all about. Providing data to say, look, sponsors are actually getting better return on investment. They're, uh, they're, they're getting way more brand affinity and engagement. Like, so I'm, I'm just saying throw out the old notion that people don't want to which watch women's sports look no further than the Olympics, which historically has, you know, in Tokyo for the first time will be roughly 50% male and female and in the production and distribution. And again, how we promote, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of work to be done, but when you do it right, when you do more storytelling versus statistics, which the Olympics know better than anyone, fans love that. Fans of women's sports love that. So what we're trying to say in this report is massive market. You haven't seen it because you haven't studied it. They're your future consumer. So you should absolutely, you can do more with them. They're more flexible. They're, they're more nimble to, to engage fans differently. Um, and that if you simply fund it in the same way you funded men, sky's the limit. It's an exciting time because we're right on the precipice, I think, of, of a lot of cool stuff happening. Yeah. And think about, you know, your, your, uh, your, your children. I mean, if you have sons, if you have daughters, do you want them to have female role models? Do you want them to have an opportunity, not just to have female role models, but to have something to shoot for? When I was younger, I, I, you know, my dad didn't discourage me. I wanted to play professional hockey in the NHL. Oh, sure, Angela. Sure. You know, he let my, he kept my alive, but like realistically, that wasn't a thing. I love that now there's more women's leagues. There's more investment going into women's sports um, that one day our children can, you know, think about, especially our daughters, think about that as a real reality that they could play not just in the Olympics, but have a full-time professional league, professional opportunity, whatever sport that they, they participate in. Okay. Last question. So if you could pick a number between one and 35 and I will give you your, uh, your random last question. My, my favorite number is my hockey number. Number four. Number four. Okay. Um, number four. What trait do you most adore in other people? So what trait do you really like in other people? I'd have to say empathy. We're all, we all come from different parts of the world. It's hard. I, I have a very like, I'm, you know, you balance the IQ with the EQ. We're very analytical. I mean, the world I live in. Um, but like when you can be, put yourself in someone else's shoes, really understand where they're coming from and, treat them kind of in a way based on that, like with a little bit more kindness. Empathy is this thing that I think we don't have enough of sometimes in this world. And so when someone comes and, and really expresses that, or I can see that and you, you go about the world in a very different way if your EQ button is up. So I'd say empathy is a, is an interesting trait that, uh, that I admire. Amazing. Well, Angela, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Olympic Channel Podcast. Massive thanks to Angela and to everyone on today's episode. It's so exciting. It's finally kicking off. Over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be hearing from people like Simone Biles, Usain Bolt, Nigel Houston, Sydney McLaughlin, and many, many more. But just before we go, if you want even more Olympic Channel podcasts, then I suggest digging out our interview with Christiane Endler, the Chile captain and goalkeeper. Her team have made the Olympics for the very first time. Here's a clip. As a player, as a professional in sport, you want to do it. It's your dream. It's something bigger than anything 
And of course, I want to live that experience and represent your country will be something uh, amazing. What an amazing interview. Okay, we will be back tomorrow. Stay safe, stronger together. I will see you very soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.